everybody. Good morning and welcome to the Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie March. And I'm Stephanie Hansen. And we are so glad that you are joining us on this Saturday. That's just a little nippy for my weather report starting of the show. I Yeah. It's cold. Your weather report. <laughs> are I we have, done? Are we done? Are that- you so done? Um, I, I actually kind of was going to bring this up as a topic today. I, I just want to apologize to all my favorite restaurateurs, oh. my bartenders, my people that haven't seen me for a while. Yeah. Well, you've been sick. That's well, different. I was sick for sure. Sick for two weeks. But I also feel like like last night, not sick. It's 430. I'm thinking, hey, it'd be good to go to happy hour somewhere or maybe just pop into my favorite bar and have a glass. And as I was driving home, I was getting cold and it was snowy and I was just like, oh, or I can just go home and eat leftovers, which doesn't sound sexy, but I've got a good bottle of wine. And I did that. So, like, I have not been going out. I know. And actually, they felt it. I can tell you yeah, that. Yeah, that's because, why I feel like I owe them an apology. Okay, I, I hear you and I feel that's good for you. I I went to Zenbox as a Kaya last night and I was talking to John and Lena, the owners. Yep. And they were saying that it's, you know, people, you know, they've just been in Vegas. They celebrated Chinese New Year in Vegas, which sounds like a heaven. Oh, my God. <laughs> it looked so fun. <laughs> and it was crazy. Let's do that next year. I know. And well, I mean, because they have all the lion dancers because there's so many Chinese whales yeah. come to gamble that they make a huge celebration of it. What a blast. We need to do that yeah, next year. Yeah, totally. Girl we're trip. Totally going to go. Anyway, they were saying that they've been talking to other people and they said that, you know, people who have winters, it's been bad all over. And it's, you know, people and like for their staff too, you know, like the money's down for staff. Yeah. And getting into your job. And then like, yeah, getting there and like digging out to get there to make money. And we know that like, you know, restaurant workers make their money on the day, you know, it's so it's not like they can dig into these large pools of savings like some of us. So I just just have been feeling like normally where I would just like pop in somewhere, uh, you know, and also I think with the. Okay, this is my St. Paul rant, so just be prepared. Oh, I think I'm with you on it. Okay, with the snow removal in yeah. St. Paul basically being non-existent. What is that? Okay, they don't even pretend to shovel. They only <laughs> shovel if there's a snow removal. Wait a minute, so or a snow emergency. emergency. Okay. And even then, they don't ticket or tag cars. So I happen to live on a narrow street that has a lot of people that park on it. I'm right over by Selby Dale. So I'm the restaurant parking is in front of my house. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't even tell you the amount of cars Kurt and I have pushed out of our street. I was in Edina. I was in Minneapolis. I was in St. Louis Park after the snowstorm. This is like two, three days later. Yeah. It is down to Bear Road. Yeah. And we have literally so much greasy snow that people are getting stuck. The other night, just the night before last. So what was that? Oh, four days There's, after the snow? Yeah. People two like days. restaurant time, bar time lets out and people are trying to get in their cars and leave. It was 45 minutes watching a group of people try to get this minivan out of the middle of the road. Oh, my God. Like The middle of the road. It was the middle of the road. Yeah. It was like, just do better. Like, can't you even try to plow? And then there was an article in the Star Tribune about people in St. Paul just plowing their own roads (gasps) with their snowblowers because it's so bad. Yeah. I, I just, I don't understand. Yeah, you I should don't find understand. out. You need to get Melvin Carter on the phone and ask I, my I question. actually, Stephanie, went to the website. <laughs> I logged a complaint. I've been tweeting. I, it's just, it's crazy. They're like, well, with a city with a third of renters, you know, it's really difficult. Why is that? Why do renters make the difference? I don't know. Because you have landlords who own buildings. If and you're you talking a, about And you have a bad density, system. If you're just using night, doesn't matter. day and night plow routes, maybe that's not the best system to use. Maybe go back to the even and odd sides of the street. I don't know. All I know is as a taxpayer, I shouldn't just be like, oh, what a bummer. Mm-hmm. We even got stuck twice. 
Wow. And I have like a four-wheel drive Volvo. Yeah. That's how bad it's been. Wow. And I don't, you know, it's not the plow driver's fault. No. It's not like city workers' fault. It's a budgeting issue and what you prioritize. Right. And I feel like snow removal is a thing that people should expect from the city. And if I'd gotten in a crash, I'd be livid. Yeah. There are so many crashes just on my street alone looking at the cars that have been smashed in. Right. It's crazy. I know. I know and it is weird because of the fact that this I mean this has been a snowier February I think mm-hmm. than and a lot of them but and it kind of all came at once I feel like but and if I'm revival and I'm like going to go there and just pop in and have a drink or get a pick up an order of chicken and I can't even park no, and that's... it's just I'm going to get stuck everywhere I do park yeah that would change my feelings yeah I know. It would change my feelings. Actually, I was going to tell you about a little sandwich shop I went to yesterday, and I will. Um, but there was a, um, like, literally trying to park, you know, with all, and this was in Minneapolis, so it wasn't very much better there. Yeah, people are tweeting me like, it's no better here, but yeah. honestly, downtown is clear to the sidewalk. Well, downtown is, downtown is one, is definitely a thing, but this was in, this was off of Nicollet on Eat Street. Okay. And it the, you know the slush and then the, you know, the cars sitting up halfway on yeah. the, like the ice bank that's still there. I get that. That's hard to figure out how to clear it at that point. You know what I mean? Once you get that icy bank on it, you know, but on can't the road. You anticipate that. Like I am a homeowner. I know that if I don't, when you come by with your whatever, mm-hmm. if I don't shovel that out, I'm going to get stuck with it for the winter. Yeah. So come on. Let's I also all feel bad in. about, I also feel don't like the businesses that don't plow in front or they, they don't finish the job of, of sort of like, scraping off their sidewalk and you're sort of like it's kind of bad I watch an old man in my neighborhood with his walker that has the tennis balls on the bottom go for his daily walk oh my god with his wife that's terrifying who holds onto his arm yeah and she's not steady either this is not no stop that get in the car and go to the mall go to the mall they pass me and they go um, be careful. It's icy (laughs) yeah you're You're like please don't break a bone (laughs) yeah that's gonna change your life um, okay, I'm, we're going to get off snow in our ranting because yes. we could do this it's for hours fun. and it's not fun for you people. I, sorry, restaurateurs. I'll yeah. be back. Okay, so everybody, everybody should just at least go and check in with your, you know, favorite person for like a drink or yep. something like that. Um, I ended up at, uh, and I'm just going to say last night we read Zenbox, you know, for Jake's birthday with all the teens and yes. stuff. And that was just a kick. So good. So fun. Good teen birthday. Yeah. And I mean, we got, you know, I made them all eat takoyaki and some of them are totally into the octopus donut balls kind of thing. And some of them were like, no, but it was most Can you of say what takoyaki is. Cause I don't know. So it's literally octopus in yep. little like dough balls. They look like able skeevers. Yep. They look like those little round donuts, but it's savory. And it's this sort of fried dough with octopus in it. And Yum. it's just so good. And they oh. have the, the dancing bonita flakes on the top, yep. which is the dried fish, which kind of like when they heat, they kind of dance a little bit. Cute. I know it's really good. Um, but that was a lot of fun and there was lots of people there and it was, you know, it was kind of just, we all had ramen and everybody had a great time. So shout out to those guys because Zenbox is a great place to go for, you know, pals and everything else. Um, but the one, the place I was going to tell you about was Zeta's, which is this little new, uh, sandwich shop over on Nicollet. Okay. Next to the wedge table, you know, yep. the wedge table. And then there was that little sort of weird strip mall where Evergreen Chinese used to be. Yes. So that little strip mall, you go in the front door and there's like a sewing place and like a photography shop. And like, so this used to be a travel agency and now it's this cute little sandwich shop called Zetta's. And they are doing flatbreads. And then they put, they stuff these flatbreads with, um, like they fold it over, over like fresh ricotta that they make every day. Uh, yeah, it I is, know about this place. Yeah. I haven't eaten there, but I've seen it. Yeah, you should go. And I mean, literally, you guys, it's one of those things where you pop it. It's a one room. 
It is literally a flat top, a counter, and then there's places to stand along the wall. There's nowhere to sit. Okay. It is a take in or stand and eat, which I think this is what's interesting to me. These are the kind of places that in other cities flourish all over the place. And we have a hard time supporting that. And their deal is that they got in on a handshake, a really great, you know, handshake deal with the rent and everything else so that they could hopefully survive. And I'm just, I really want more of these type of places. Yeah. And hopefully we can pop in. Yeah. So, and they have these fresh, so they have a couple different, uh, the hard part right now is they don't have their menu online. And I was like, you guys, that has to be priority one. Get that up so that people get hungry to come in. And um, it's fresh ricotta that they make daily. And then they put in, you know, like you can get it with like prosciutto or you can get it with a bunch of uh, pepperoni and spicy bacon, those kind of things. And it just folds over and it's huge. It's this massive, huge sandwich thing that feels lighter. It's not so bready, like a big sandwich. Uh And it's nine bucks. I just love the way you said sandwich. Sandwich. No, so sandwichy. So that's that. What did you have for Valentine's dinner? I made pot roast oh, you for did. my family. Um, yeah, my daughter came over. Everybody got a box of chocolate and we had some roses and it was really, really nice. That's Just good. nice. I, I had to like, this leads me into my next segment about recipes, but mm-hmm. I had to like get a recipe for pot roast. And my mother-in-law was like, what? What? Like, you don't know how to make pot roast? I was like, not exactly. Really? Yeah. That's one of the core ones. And then I thought, well, okay, did I really need a recipe after I read the recipe? Was it just you needed reminding? I was like, just unclear. Like, what was I going to cook it in? Was it broth? Was it water? Was it beer? And then when do you put the vegetables in? And like the Barefoot Contessa has a pot roast recipe I made like 15 years ago. That's real good, but it's very tomatoey based. So the sauce is more like um, almost like a red sauce, like a red wine, just hearty gravy but it's really chunky and just thick yeah and i was like oh i kind of want a brown gravy like more a gravy with mashed potatoes type gravy yeah so i had i was consulting recipe the joy of cooking does not have a recipe for pot roast that's funny isn't it might it be called something other than pot roast? Uh, no i looked huh and i went to the new york times cookbook there wasn't a recipe for pot roast that i could find now someone will find one probably and be like yes there is and i didn't look online oh you didn't no oh but I was at the, I was at the books, yeah. like in the index, looking ch- under chuck roast, looking under beef, looking roast, under pot roast. Right. Huh? It was just weird. That is funny. And then, so the next segment we're going to talk about, the New York Times did this whole article about things you don't need recipes for. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, I don't know about that. Okay, that actually might segue into my segment after that too, which is great. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break, you guys. We come back. We have a lot of great fun stuff to talk about today. We also have uh, some interesting, we have a lot of good f- cooking and good recipe stuff today. Yes. So we will be right back. This is the Weekly Dish. Welcome back to the Weekly Dish. You're listening to Stephanie Hansen, and Stephanie March. Stephanie March. <laughs> and if you are an advertiser and you're listening, I do want to remind you that Weekly Dish is looking for sponsors for the show. It's our 11th year and sponsors kind of come and sponsors go as people's marketing priorities change. But if you're someone that is interested in reaching our very active listener base, um, give us a Facebook message on our show page and we'll connect you with someone from my talk who can help you out because it's a great show and we love doing it. Um, Seth, this article came out in the New York Times this week and a couple of reasons that I was thinking about it. One is... My daughter stayed at my house when I was traveling last time Mm -hmm. and left me four mason jars of the most delicious soup in the world. Yeah. It was this coconut curry with chicken 
with red and orange peppers, onions, and cilantro and lime. Okay? Yeah. And I heated up a bowl of it and I was like, oh my God, this is life-changing soup. What is this? She's like, oh yeah, that's such soup I made for you. I'm like, okay. I texted her, could I get the recipe? No answer, which is not unusual. My kid is not good about answering. <laughs> so then I waited. She was coming over for dinner for Valentine's Day. The night that I made the pot roast, right. but I didn't have a recipe and had to kind of figure out how I was going to do it, which what I ended up doing is searing the roast. I had some beer from Birch's Lower Town that was aged in a red wine cask. Yeah. And, and I used that sour. as a liquid. It yeah. made really delicious gravy. Um, and then I instant potted my mashed potatoes because mm-hmm. that's just easier. Mm-hmm. And I had the carrots and the celery and I didn't put them in until the last hour, like you said. Good. And I was worried the roast was going to be tough because I cooked <clears> it for three hours at 275. And it felt kind of like tough when I was pushing on it. And then I was like, well, don't keep cooking it. So I, as I'm serving it, I'm like, well, I don't know, you guys. It ended up to be perfect. Oh. But it was it felt rubbery kind of when I was poking at it. So don't huh. use that as your guide because I would have kept cooking it if I'd have had more time. And you could have kept cooking it, actually. If it if it does feel too solid, you should keep cooking. It means okay. that it has not released. All right. Well, it hasn't like released its fats and everything else. So to loosen up. Like it's still holding tight. Yep. So, and when we ate it, it was good. But yeah. Anyway. So she's there and I'm asking her about the soup and she's like, Well, I said, So I'd like the recipe. Well, I don't really have a recipe. Like, oh, well, how did you know how to make it? She's like, I don't know. You just like you, you know, and then you put the curry powder in and then like some I saw a recipe that had mushrooms, but I don't like mushrooms. So I didn't use that. And so she's like you and you who I have always wanted to be like, (laughs) and I'm not, which is that you're intuitive about this is the way I'm going to do this. Yeah. So I was like, okay, everybody's asking me for this recipe. There isn't one. So there's that. Then the pot roast, I was trying to find a recipe. And then the New York Times came out with this whole article about cooking without a recipe. Mm-hmm. And the Sam Sifton, who's the editor of the section, was talking about how there's just a bunch of these recipes that aren't recipes. They're more like assembly. Yeah. or So his editor had been collecting all these recipes that weren't recipes. So you're improvising off of themes, right? Yeah. So stir fries, salads, braised chicken thighs, pasta bakes. Yeah. Someone was on my Instagram the other day asking me, like, how do I make chicken thighs? I'm like, <laughs> well, you put some fat in a cast iron skillet, heat it up till it's smoking. And then, like, if you want some spice on your thighs, rub them and then turn them upside down and then flip them. Yeah. There's not really a recipe for that. No. And in fact, that's I have this problem where every time I post things that I make and everyone goes, what's the recipe? I'm like, look at it. Can't you tell what it is? No, a it lot looks of people like, can't. It is like a thing that you just everything goes in, you know, and it's just that's the whole sausage thing when I did the sausage and beans. And they're like, what's the recipe? I'm like, I don't know what to tell you other than cook and then throw and cook and then throw and yeah. then cook and then throw. The picture that they used for the article is a bunch of red peppers and onions on a sheet of parchment paper on a sheet pan. And then kielbasa yeah, that's I been see. hassle-backed, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is basically just to cut it in super thin slices. Um, so anyway, they had like 54 recipes that don't really require recipes, they think. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, I, where's the collection of recipes? It's oh, kind of further in the article. Oh, I see. you got to click into it. Okay. Um, by the way, if you aren't a subscriber to the New York Times. It's not expensive. It is not. Well, and I mean, it's, uh, for me, I was going to say this. If you want to get the recipes, just subscribe to the cooking channel of their their food channel. 
Did you know that? No. Yeah, I don't get the paper. I have no need to have an actual paper, but I subscribe to the actual food site. I get a digital subscription to the New York Times. Okay. Then I upgrade to get the recipe box that the New York Times has. Yeah. And it's fabulous because I can clip recipes yeah. from anywhere online and put them in my New York Times recipe box. But I don't have the subscription to the paper. I just have it to the recipe box. Okay, so it's so you like can, yeah. $3.99 or something. Yeah, it's, it's not ridiculous. a lot. Yeah, I would highly recommend doing that if you're someone that looks on the internet for recipes. They're just a solid amount. You know what I mean? Like I have a lot of, you know, Food 52. We have a lot of sources that we go to. Yeah. I think, but the New York Times stuff is just, it's a really good Deep and, you know, solid amount of recipes. And then you can hold them. Yeah. Um, so that when you're like, when I'm at the cabin, I don't have all my cookbooks. Yeah. So I can just use my. All right. Okay, so this the... is interesting. Yeah. Freestyle roasted chicken parm, quick roasted chicken with tarragon, things like this. Uh, these there are the recipes a... that you are supposed to know just without recipes. There was a um, chicken with croutons. Yeah. We talked about that, like how Pensadilla. underutilized. Um. How underutilized putting chicken with breadcrumbs is. Yeah. Because the chicken releases and gets the breadcrumbs all muji. Oh, the bread. Slices of bread underneath. Yes. Or yeah. croutons, too, is what they did it with. Yeah. Um, I was watching Jamie Oliver, too. He's got a great cookbook that Kurt likes that's five ingredients or less. Yeah. And he makes, um, like, he gets the peppers and the onions and he puts them in a chafing dish. And then he rubs harissa all over chicken yeah and lays that on top and then bakes it for like an hour and a half so the delicious smoky peppery flavor of the harissa permeates the vegetables below yeah like that's a great example of a no recipe recipe because yeah. you could really put anything underneath the chicken yeah well it's like fried rice right i mean i don't know if i've ever made the same fried rice in my life right because and same with chicken pot pie honestly I'm like, there's chicken and then there's veg. <laughs> I don't I wouldn't really tell use you, a recipe for pot pie. No, I wouldn't tell you what to do that other than, you know, and then I make the roux. And then that I, was one of the recipes, oh, by the it? way. Yeah. And dump it. And then sometimes I put a pastry puff. Sometimes I do a biscuit top. Sometimes, you know, it's all different. And so, like, that's the thing is, like, when people ask for that, I'm like, I don't know. Why don't you see what's in your fridge? Or I couldn't tell you if it was, like, three tablespoons of carrots or not. Exactly. I don't have that. I just know that that's what I throw. And I think, too, one of the ways that you get to be a better cook. Yes. And I don't mean better, like, as in, you know, technique. I mean better in using what you buy Mm -hmm. and feeding your family and cooking more is you open up your refrigerator and you look at it and you're like, wow, I have a bag of carrots that's getting pretty tired. I better use them for something. Yeah. Or I have a barley here and I have the pot roast bones that I had from Christmas, which I made beef barley soup this week. Yeah. Um, you know, I think one of it has to, something has to do with this. And this is interesting. It's confidence and it is trusting yourself. And there's actually a book that I'm going to find. I'm going to bring it maybe next time. There's a book that I can't remember. I've been trying to think of the title, but it was Marion. Somebody, Marion Anderson. Does that sound right? You Cunningham guys? was a famous Pamela writer. Anderson. Pamela. It was not Pamela Sue Anderson, but her. She was an actual. I'm impressed that you I knew know. Pamela's middle name. I know Pamela Red Sue. Pammy Sue. No, but it was a woman who was like cooking without a book, and she wrote this really interesting. I'm gonna find it because I just found it the other day. I'm gonna snap a picture of it when okay. I get home. But the point is that, 
And Nigel Anderson, his, you know, yes. my, or Nigel Slater, his book, Appetites, formed part of my life. That's what released me, you guys. Nigel Slater's Appetites book released me from having to have cups and teaspoons and all this kind of stuff. Because I realized it's, you're, you're cooking to how you feel. And that is an okay thing. And a lot of people stress about it because they're not just cooking for themselves. They're cooking for other people. Yeah. And so then you get anxious about feeding them and giving them good things. And really that's going to color your dish anyway. So if you cook from where you feel and you sort of accept the, the flaws and the bonuses, like my pot pie, not awesome all the time. Sometimes I throw a thing in there and I'm like, Whoa, that was a mistake. (laughs) Don't put broccolini in next time, you know, or something like that. And I was like, but is the dish ruined? Are we all, you know, depressed and crying in our beds? No, it's, we're fine. I sometimes use purple kale instead of regular kale, and then the dish ends up looking gray if oh there's my cream. God. So or- <laughs> many bad purple situations that we get excited about. The purple potatoes, same, same. Really? They well, make- you have to cook them and then stick them in because if you... <laughs> Who's got that kind of time? <laughs> so great. I think the Instant Pot, too, instills confidence. In yes. Once you get past the, like, get the the numbers and we're going to talk about the instant pot a little bit later today. Yeah. Like I'm getting a little freer with just like, Oh, I can instant pot this. Okay. Actually the next segment we're going to talk about, this is a really good segue. So let's take a break and let's come back in a few seconds because there's a really great, there's a surprising article that ties into what we're talking about. Okay. So we'll be right back. This is the weekly dish. Hey everybody. Welcome back to weekly dish. We are so happy you're here. We are talking a little bit about uh, cooking by instinct and all this kind of stuff. That's what we were just talking about. Yeah. Someone asked me just the other day, they were like, okay, so when you and Stephanie prepare for the show, like, how do you do it? Like, do you talk? And I'm like, no. And so if it seems like sometimes we talk about similar things, it's totally by coincidence because we have a grid that's in the Google space Yeah, and we each have segments we program and I don't necessarily look at what you're going to talk about. You don't necessarily look at what I'm going to talk about. If there's an article we feel like the other person needs to read about a guest or something, yeah. we'll indicate that. But so we come to this very organically based on literally what we cooked or experienced that week. Right. And so this is sometimes that's the zeitgeist that brings us together, but also I hope brings other people along with us yeah. because I feel like maybe they're feeling the same thing out there. Um, all right. So here's the deal. What would you say? was the number one selling cookbook of last year. If you had to make a stab in the dark, what would you say is the number one selling cookbook? Um, Knowing that we've seen a lot of cookbooks, I, I don't expect you to get it right. Okay, but. I'm going to, I would like to say the joy of cooking because that's a great basic cookbook for everyone, but I know it's not. It's going to be like an instant pot cookbook or some other like good housekeeping cookbook or something super basic Okay, and random. Um, well, let me just tell you that, um, you're going to be, I think you're going to be surprised, um, because it's a, it's a first timer in the field and, uh, it's an influencer. Well, uh, let me just say that the deal is, is that this book published, uh, more than, and more than 1.3 million copies had sold by November and more than 2 million copies are now in print. This is not normal. Because when you think about it, uh, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, our Samin No yep. Shot book, that one sold last year 330,000 copies. That's what we're talking about. This is cookbooks don't go into the millions for decades. Okay. Like they can get there. And Joy of Cooking is actually one of them that reached, you know, is has reached the millions copies sold, but has not done that in its first year from a first time, you know, like that's sort of unheard of. It's sort of crazy. And this is a book that you and I have not talked about. Over the last year at all. 
okay, what? I'm dying Are you so to know shocked? what it is. This is a book that also did not make any of our favorite people's top lists. The Washington Post said it wasn't on my list. I'm so dying. Amazon, I have my finger on the button to click, but I'm not going to click. Don't do it. And if I tell you that, uh, that this person... Is it Molly Ye's book? It's not Molly Ye's book. Okay. It is. Uh, it was the number... Okay, here's the thing. The book was the number two bestseller across the entire book industry last year behind Michelle Obama's autobiography. Holy cats. Magnolia Table. Oh, uh, Joanna Gaines. Yes. I bought it for two people. You did? Yeah. I didn't buy it for myself. I am... Sort of snobby, ridiculously so. It makes no sense about like sort of these influencer cookbooks. But she's not an influencer in my mind. She's she's got a show. She's got a whole. You know what I mean? Like what makes for me an influencer is strictly social media person who doesn't have. So we're defining it. She's a celebrity. Well, and like I didn't buy Valerie Bertinelli's cookbook. I didn't buy Gwyneth Paltrow's cookbook, even though it wasn't bad. Cheryl Crow's cookbook from years ago wasn't bad, but right. I didn't. I got it a promotional copy, but I probably wouldn't have bought it for someone. But you did buy Chrissy Teigen's. I did. And you didn't love the second one. And I one, gave but it you, away. But you loved the first one. Yeah, I did. So, and this is her first one. You guys, I mean, two millions in print. This is, this is, I mean, the second book behind Michelle Obama's book. Magnolia. There's something about Joanna and Chip Gaines. And they have like six kids, I think. She just oh, had a new baby. I have no idea. I don't watch, I've watched the show periodically on HGTV, but there's something about them that's very, feels very authentic. So it's the Fixer Upper and the series has run on HGTV for five seasons um, and the couple needed sighting and need for more family time. They ended it. Their Magnolia Foundation is involved in community restoration. They have a Magnolia Market Retail Complex in Waco, Texas, um, and that's partly, they have a restaurant called Magnolia Table. The restaurant opened at the exact same time that the book was being launched. This is not normal. <laughs> Normally, a cookbook comes yeah. out after a restaurant has sort of fed it itself and, you know, they took it. the Pioneer Woman's Playbook and made it their own. They are the upscale waspy version of the Pioneer Woman in my mind. You know what I mean? Like, Pioneer Woman is a little southern, a little bit more like, yep. I'm on the farm and I'm going to fix my I'm husband. Man. Yeah, I'm going to fix my husband. And, you know, I can't stand her. I can't stand her. I like her. I know you do. And that's that's <laughs> what makes us magic. But Joanna Gaines is a little bit more accessible. I think she's sort of, you know, feels more like the white suburban woman who is in the middle of all of the Pinterest and the, and the Instagram and the perfection world. And this is the thing. So this is what's interesting. This Washington Post article, you guys, of realizing that, oh, my God. You know, um, this is sold, um, you know, all these copies and all these people, but it's not a good cookbook. (laughs) The best part about it is that that's reasons why most of these editors who do this as a profession were like, you know, trying to understand because the recipes that they tested sort of were not that great. I feel that way about Martha Stewart's cookbooks. Well, okay. I don't think they're good. So a lot of people have said that. So what's interesting is the Washington Post. And I, by the way, you know, in the next portion, which is the Ask Stephanie portion, I would love to hear from you guys if you guys have cooked from Magnolia Table and found yourselves either in love or completely, you know, bored and thrown thrown the thing away. I would love to know that. Um, but so the basically they're saying that this, so the Washington Post, she called up the person who is the recipe developer with them who said, you know, normally we work with 
you know, things. And they, we worked to kind of work through the recipes. She said that Joanna Gaines, as wonderful and sweet and awesome as a person was, she said, no, these are the recipes. These are from my families and friends. So I want to make sure that th- these are the ones we use. They tweaked. She's like, it was almost ready to go. The food stylist didn't even, like, they were styling the food shots, not the food stylist. The Magnolia people were doing it, you oh, know, because they're yeah. very controlled in that and when i say controlled i don't everyone across the board has by the way said that the gains are the most lovely people like they're not mean but and they they're know not their tight. brand they know their they brand know what they want exactly. and they're putting out exactly their curated content yes but what i have to tell you is some of these recipes when i was looking at it and i honestly didn't pick it up because i have a harder time with celebrities who have nothing to do with cooking or anything and then getting a deal at a with a cookbook or everything or running a restaurant without having that be their actual job. I bought it for That's two across friends. The board. One I knew are big fans of Chip and Joanna Gaines. And then the other person isn't an awesome traditional cook. And I just thought it was pretty. I thought the recipes looked like that she'd be able to do them. Let me just tell you that uh, when this editor examined the book, it was pretty standard stuff with a couple of tweaky bits, such as putting vinegar in the guacamole and, you know, in addition to citrus juice, chili. But there's like chili with Rotel tomatoes and, uh, but the thing that stood out was the amount of butter, like Paula Dean levels of butter, she said. The eggs benedict casserole, there's a pound of butter, plus 18 whole eggs, eight egg yolks, three cups of dairy, 12 English muffins, and 10 ounces of Canadian bacon. But it sounds so good. <laughs> um, but the problem is, is that they were saying, so they did a bunch of the casserole thing. They did a bunch of the stuff, and she said that the whole thing was so sodden with butter, and basically... Uh, there's so much butter pooled on the surface during baking that the fat spat causing so much smoke. She said that three of the <gasps> recipes that she did had so much butter that it basically oiled out and then it smoked, you know, because it spatters yeah. in your oven and it caused plumes of burning smoke. <laughs> and the fat, the pie was the same way that they said that that had done right. That had this apple pie with drips of syrupy pie filling that burned into the oven you know, these are people who are executing the recipes exactly to the form. Interesting. Because they're testing them. And so it was interesting. So the idea of it was uh, that it was very simple recipes. You know, that they were very home style recipes, meatloaf and yep. pie and that kind of stuff. And that people were tagging them and love and like just across the board. But they were all in that same everything's perfect world. And this is the weird moment where I'm saying you don't have the confidence to fail. And I think that that's going to get worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. You know what I mean? Like, because if we need to I have... am feeling like I could write a cookbook then. Right. But I'm saying like you could do whatever you want. But I mean, the point is, is that in a weird way, we're not all admitting we're failing. We're not getting to be better cooks. If you are only making pretty picture, only picturing your wins yeah. and then saying how great everything is. And then sort of even if it is a fail, maybe fixing it and admit, you know, and sort of saying I loved it anyway. You know what I mean? Like, there's a weird thing about this book getting so much traction because of its art direction, because it's pretty. Yeah. And the, while the recipes are easy, they're not exactly right. Or they're not exactly wins, but, n- n- like, across the board, that's not being talked about. And I about. felt like the whole Martha Stewart thing, like, her first cookbook, her second cookbook were fine. Yeah. As she got into more cookbooks, the recipes got worse and worse. The pictures got better and better. The lifestyle looked awesome. I emulated it. That Robin's Egg Blue still speaks to me every yeah. time I see it. But I know never to cook recipes from her cookbooks. That's funny. Because they don't work. I never was a big Martha Stewart person. I never That never appealed to me. Um, I mean, I, I sort of, her magazine, when I would pull it out for special issues, they were yeah. great ideas. But it was always a little bit too... 
highfalutin for me. It I just was didn't aspirational have, with yeah. it. Like, and then I would go back to the Barefoot Contessa, who right. always those recipes always worked. Everyone can do them. They're fail safe. I think that's why I like her so much. I just know that she's tested those recipes within an inch of her life. I absolutely agree. And that's what I would say is if you were looking for something that was more of a beginner, like, and that was one of the points is that they were saying that they were, uh, that they were, um, definitely feeling um, that they were accessible and that's why people were buying them because they were easy and they didn't feel like they had to do crazy, crazy stuff. Right. But at the same time, they weren't necessarily tested to be friendly to any cooks. You know what I mean? Other than like the person who cooked it. And I feel bad for those people that pick up that cookbook. They're maybe not the best cooks and then they make these recipes that aren't the best recipes and then you're like, oh, I'm a terrible cook. No. You might just <laughs> no. have had a bad recipe. I know. So there it is. So anyway, Magnolia Cookbook and learning, I think, is one of those things that we were talking about just being intuitive in your cooking. But I would say, feel free to fail, you guys. That's the only best way you're going to learn how to cook. 651-641-1071 if you want to recommend a cookbook or if you've cooked from the Magnolia Cookbook or you want to tell us about a fail because sometimes they happen. 651-641-1071. We'll come back with the Ask Stephanie portion. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. It's the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. Don't forget, give us a call, 651-641-1071. And we do have a couple callers on the line. We have Rebecca, who is up first. Rebecca, what's going on? Hey, girls, good morning. Good morning. So I made Gavin Kaysen's local crate um, creation in his pot roast. Yeah. Super good. But the pot roast is like the size of a deck of cards. (laughs) For two? Yeah. Really? It is so small, you guys. Did it shrink down? Is that, I mean, like, was no, it no, when you like pulled it out, were you out, like, oh, it's good, but then it shrunk? It came out like the size of my my hand. <laughs> Can I ask another question? <laughs> yeah. Were there other, like, vegetables and things? So was it oh, meant to yeah. be that the meat is the condiment to the vegetables? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it says beef pot roast. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> think it's like a condiment. <laughs> yeah, no. No, I, and everything was, it was delicious, but it was enough for really one person. So I'm just wondering, can I, like, if I wanted to go buy more beef? Yeah. Can yeah. I do that? Yeah. Okay. I would say you can. And I would say try to take the application of those, of the recipe, whatever it is. And yeah. then um, I would say, yeah, get a bigger cut of beef and just, I mean, <laughs> make sure you cover, the the key with the pot roast is that you want to get it almost covered, but not covered with whatever right. liquid you're going to use. Yep. Two thirds. Yeah. High. Yeah. Yeah. And so because yeah. that's gonna help, you know, get the elasticity of the of the meat to be right. soft. I'll admit yeah, to I did the local crate chicken Gavin Case and recipe a while ago and smoked out my whole house. Oh. It was that yeah. buttery situation. Yeah, see, that's what happens. Where, you have to keep it in the lower half of the oven. You can't put uh, yeah. it up high. Small, <laughs> small fire. Speaking of yeah. not having good success. I salvaged it, but good. Well, and I get, like, the whole pictures are, you know, look way different than it actually is. Yeah. But, like, the, the funny thing is, is, like, when you do look, look at the recipe, the pot roast where he has, like, to sear the beef takes up the entire Dutch oven. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's, like, a personal pan, right? Right. I don't. And mine was just, like, the sad little deck of cards. God, personal I pan also, pot roast. I also wonder if maybe you just got, like, a random cut that accidentally got put into the box. You know what I mean? I now know. we're going to go buy it. I know. Well, yeah, well, I'm going to go buy it again this Sunday because it was so good. You yeah. can tweet us a picture. Yeah, definitely yeah, send us a picture. Stephanie's dish. Uh, Stephanie March. All right. Thanks, you Thanks. Thanks, Rebecca. All right, we also have Kristen on the line. Hey, Kristen, what's going on? Hey, quick question for the girls. Uh, we're going downtown St. Paul to the Science Museum for OmniFest. And we need a, a nice place for lunch. I mean, not nice. We're not above 
a dive lunch spot, um, what do you suggest? Okay, this is near the Science Museum, so near the Omni Theater. Um, I would be a couple ideas. One is Parlor on West 7th that is fairly new. It opened in like the last year and they have that great parlor burger that you can have there. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that's a fun one and it's red on the outside. It's for festive looking. Um, Also, I can't really, uh, Cosetta's Market is right there and that place is just fabulous. You know, you can do more than the pizza and the ziti and the market there is just incredible, delicious Italian market and a pasticceria where you can get um, gelato and Italian pastries. It's incredible. Great. Okay. Yeah, you go. Thank you. Okay. That. All right. We also have Bobby on the line. Hey, Bobby, what's going on? Hi there. Thanks for taking my call, ladies. Can you recommend a cookbook for a young man who's just starting out? He knows a little bit. He loves cooks. He loves to cook. Maybe a local author? Um, my initial instinct would be How to Cook Everything by Mark Bittman. I think that is like a more modern version of kind of the joy of cooking, just in that he's going to use more ethnic ingredients and he's going to have a more worldview. Um, local, right. I'm trying to think so of like a basic one. I was just thinking, one. there's a Beth Dooley cookbook uh, called Savory Sweet, Simple preserves from a northern kitchen, and that's one of those ones that I think is easy to sort of get your building blocks on, like condiments and sauces and things like that. That helps so that when you learn how to like braise, you know what I mean. Then you have that, but right. then you also have all the little like saucy accoutrements that go with it. I'm looking forward to cooking out of that book this summer because I'll have a lot of garden produce because we're building a big garden. Her cooking uh, seasons of the heartland, which was her the first northern, cookbook. Oh, oh, oh! That she did Savoring with Lucia Lawson. Yeah, savoring the seasons. Also, another one, her The Northern Heartland Kitchen is a great one, too. So I would say you could find any Beth Dooley books and be pretty psyched about that. Thanks, ladies. Okay, thanks, Bobby. I love that. Good luck. That's Uh, kind of fun stuff. Here's an email, uh, or no, a Facebook, uh, at Weekly Dish Facebook. You can follow us there. I was given the cookbook for my birthday. It was the Magnolia Cookbook, she says. (laughs) Uh, So far, I've made the roasted cauliflower soup, and it was absolutely delicious. I felt like I had to lie to my guests about how much cream, cream cheese, and butter was in it. Oh, God, cream cheese and soup? With the amazing ingredients, there's no way you wouldn't love it. But it's not practical for regular consumption. The rest of the recipes in the book I've already made. Uh, but I like to make them my own way. So there's that. I, I've i had cream cheese and soup. But really? like cauliflower soup is one of those soups where if Why you puree you the cauliflower, yes, you, don't you don't need, need all that cream and butter. This is the you weird thing. Okay, can I have a feeling that maybe there's going to come out a thing where it's like she's those recipes are not theirs? You know what I mean? Like it feels well, like she said they were family and friends. I, I know, know, but it's like one of those things where your fam like when you get handed recipes over you know down the line, you do it could be this is the weird part of like professional cookbooking where you do have to have an idea of whether it was taken off of the back of a box, right? You know what I'm saying? That's what's strange. I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay, we have Kaylee on the line. Hey, Kaylee, what's up? Hello. Hello. What can we do for you today? Hi. What is, where's the best place to find good instant pot recipes? They're all over and I just, I'm overwhelmed. I just got them. <laughs> uh, are you part of the Weekly Dish Instant Potter group? I am. Okay. Yeah. The best thing I would say for that is if you get, uh, if you get the Melissa Clark cookbooks, those are a nice source to have to kind of, you know, use for yourself. Um, and I think that group, what I like to do is I kind of search, if you've ever used the search bar on the side, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. that, 
helps, I think, to be able to sort of figure out what's going on. Um, right. But I mean, honestly, I, t- I get you because like I search the web firm and there's so many things. I don't know what is right or not right. So that's why the group right. is good because people vet them. And the Instant Pot app isn't yeah. terrible. I don't like it's it. It's not awesome, I don't but like it's it. not terrible. Okay. It's medium. It's a three okay. out of five. I didn't, I didn't know there was one. Can I yeah. ask you one more so, question about frozen chicken? Is oh, what? yes. Can I ask you one more question oh. about frozen chicken? God, yes. do it. Yeah. Um, there are also so many um, recipes that call for like so many different variations of cooking times and then like um, natural release times. Do you guys have like a tried and true? For, for frozen, frozen chicken? chicken in particular? Yeah. So are we talking thighs or breasts or bone in, breast. bone on? Breast. Yeah. I think for my personal opinion for a frozen breast is to add three minutes to whatever recipe you're looking at that's not frozen. Okay. Then natural release, anytime you cook meat, is very important. Yes. Okay. That's, that's a big thing know. because then I know that's hard because we get impatient. but Because the meat has like seized up under the pressure and it needs to relax, whether it's chicken, beef, or pork. Yep. Okay. That's Thank been my biggest so fail. Love listening to you. Yes, yeah. we have some good Instant Pot stuff coming up, so stay oh, tuned. Oh, one more thing, by the way. Um, oh, a th- trick that a lot of people don't do, and you should, is to cut your meat into smaller chunks. Yeah. So even before you freeze the meat, take those big fatty breasts and cut them into like different pieces. Like okay. bigger pieces. So like one breast, maybe cut it into three pieces. Uh-huh. before you freeze it and then do it that way because it also uh, will make a better final product. Okay, wonderful. Thank you yeah, so much. Stephanie Meyer is always cutting up her roast before she instant pots them. I know. Well, and for the freezing chicken, they can get weird sticky together stuff. So, All right, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. We come back, we'll have the second hour of Weekly Dish.